Stockton coming to you from Frankfurt, Germany. And I'm Balash Renzi coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. Hey, Balash, how are you? What's up, Mike? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, still in uh, solitary confinement, <laughs> um, home office. Yeah. Other than that, uh, nothing special. What about you guys? Are you are, are you also at home or yeah. you sometimes go to the office? No, I go to the office usually three, four days a week um, just to, to shake it up a little bit. I found that um, when this all kicked off, I, I kind of enjoyed the home office. It was nice not to have to do that commute because, you know, literally we went from everything being extremely busy to everything cut off. So, you know, the first week at home, I was still thinking about that drive and, it was really nice not to have to to uh, spend that two hours roughly going back and forth. But I found as time went on, um, especially as this this second one has come back, I'm having a tough time distinguishing um, my house from my workplace. So I I wanted the separation again. Yeah. Right. 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 Now I know what you I know what you mean. I ha- I just bought a. Um, um, a monitor before the first one started in in March, because I only had my laptop, and when I was doing articles, sometimes I would you know I would pull up the the page of the brand and I would pull up the images and whatever, so I would have like two three um, pages, uh, and I always had to like switch between uh, the the browser and uh, the preview and whatever. So I, I just bought a monitor. I said, okay, I'm going to put everything on the screen, like split screen, you know, you can do on Mac. And, um, and it was a pretty cool home office or work corner uh, that I set up for myself. And like, I think literally a week after that, boom, the the home office thing hit us. And my uh, my happy place became my, uh, Your workplace. <laughs> my sad place. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And it's not that much fun, to be honest, because, yeah, I'm sitting at the same table, same chair, same computer. And at 6 p.m., I'm doing my work until 6 p.m. that I get up, you know, get a coffee, whatever. And I sit down to the same exact spot and I continue my work, but this time with Fratello. So there's, I, I also miss the, the space in between yeah. uh, the two things. And actually, you know, the, the thing that um, has been pretty nice about this, <laughs> you look for silver linings, is that the the drive. So I, I'm kind of, I'd say my drive is like 98% Autobahn. And mm-hmm. my drive is <clears throat> almost um, speedless. Like there there's really very few speed restrictions on my entire drive. And you know, I've, I think other than like a couple accidents that have occurred in this entire period, I've never had any issue in getting home on any day of the week, um, in, in a a good amount of time. And it's, I don't know about you, but like, you know, in Germany, no matter where you were going before this, the uh, Navi showed yellow or red on your route. And now it's incredible. It's just blank. So I can really get home on time and yeah, I can hammer the car pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, 
you know you know where my apartment is versus my office and it's it's um actually i think eight minutes with uh with the with the tram and 12 minutes with the bike so i don't have that that issue um i can be in the office pretty fast if i want to uh but yeah the first time i i drove on the autobahn after the whole thing came in 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 april i think it was it was incredible i'm the only time the only uh other than you know covid when i saw the autobahn so empty was on the 24th of december so uh, so uh, or 25th usually i drive home on the 24th and the 25th um i mean drive home to hungary and then it's pretty much empty and that was the only time uh that i saw the autobahn like completely empty um other than april or or march end of march april yeah it's definitely you know if you if you enjoy driving right now, and especially if you have a fun car or something like that, um, it's actually a good time to use it because before I would have told everyone that the Autobahn is highly overrated because it was just always choked up with uh, vehicles. And in a lot of places, it's only two lanes. So you're just cons- constantly just moving back and forth because you can't sit in the right lane and the left lane just gets bogged down. So then, you know, that, that's been a positive. So anyhow. Right. I mean, it's, it, it always amazes me, uh, um, you know, how far people commute in Germany to work. Uh, obviously, for you, it's it's probably normal or something that, that you're more used to because of the U.S., but we have colleagues in Karlsruhe coming from, from Freiburg, which is, I mean, an, an easy 90-minute drive, I would say. With a train, it's over an hour at, le- at least. But then, you know, the thing they don't, people say, yeah, okay, one hour, we can do that for sure. But that's not one hour from door to door. That's one hour on the train station. So you have to leave the office, get on the tram, get to the train station, wait for the train, get on the train. Then it's an hour. Get off the train, get on the tram, get home. So it's it's just crazy. I mean, I really feel for those guys. I mean, and, and many of them have been doing this for, for years now, coming from two hours, 90 minutes away uh, every day. Yeah. yeah. I Shoot, my dad drove, I want to say something like 45 miles each direction for Mm. 30 plus years. And, you know, that was in South Florida where the traffic progressively got worse and worse every single year. And I couldn't imagine it. And, uh, I I think I would, I would just go nuts, especially because, um, yeah, you know, it's somewhere there and, and, and you see it here too, you get nice weather or something and somehow people manage to get into a, get into an accident. I mean, probably playing with their phone or something. But so let's talk some watches. Um, right. We've, we've got a, we've got a pretty cool agenda today, I think. So we're recording this mm-hmm. here on um, here in the beginning of December and we're going to, we're going to do a bit of a gift guide today. And then as we promised last time, we're going to talk about bracelets and we're going to talk about our favorite vintage ones and our favorite uh, newly released bracelets. Uh, yes. But before that, it is time for the Handgelenk Controller. And you're going to kick us off, Balash. So what do you got on that okay. uh, Handgelenk of yours? So um, for those of you who follow me, I think, on Instagram, pr- probably you if you shared the picture, uh, I just shared a photo of, of my setup um, a couple of uh, minutes ago, maybe half an hour ago. And um, what I'm wearing is... Uh, one of the the Hamilton uh, khaki field mechanics or mechanicals 
which is um, a pretty fun watch. Uh, I love it for um, many, many reasons. Some I can talk about, some I can't. Um, but it's a cool watch. Um, it has a great size. It's, as you know, uh, I think, have you bought one or have you reviewed one? Uh, the Hamilton? No, I, I reviewed it. Um, I didn't I buy reviewed, it, yeah, exactly. but, I, but I loved it. So, yeah, go ahead. Exactly. So it's the, for, for those of you who don't know what it is, this is the military-inspired piece by Hamilton, which has a, a manual wind movement. And I think that's pretty rare these days. Um, new watches usually come out. Obviously, it's automatics or or um, or um, quartz watches, but not really manual. Uh, but the Speedy is, is, uh, is a manual watch. But usually, you don't see them too often. And that's a pretty cool watch. I love the size. I love that it's a, it's a brushed steel case. So, you know, obviously, because it's a military-inspired piece. Um, and it's on a Kilt Hubris NATO strap. Ooh. And I know, you are, <laughs> I know you are a fan of the brand. Probably not as much as I am. But um, no, it's a, it's a very cool uh, NATO strap um, with a, a red, um, beige, and green, and black camo uh pattern um so this is maybe a a mini gift guide within the gift guide if you fancy those straps go check them out but yeah i uh, it comes uh, on the nato strap originally which i also like but i wanted something more colorful so that's my uh that's my watch what are you rocking today nice well before i get to that i just say when i reviewed that a couple years ago it was when only the um original dial had come out which is what like a black dial right yes that's the one then they've since uh, come out with um, various other colors, and I really enjoyed it. I, I thought this was just such a great release, and the fact that I think it was like five hundred and twenty euros or something. Um, I think even less now for four hundred something. Yeah, it's a steal and great looking watch. Obviously, it's a the the whole form of it is very well known from you know decades of mater- um, military watch production, but. Is upsized what to like thirty eight millimeters? I think, and mm-hmm. it's can't go wrong with that. So, I I am wearing a very very different watch. I I've lately been getting a bit more into vintage. I've been dusting off a few of my vintage chronographs, which I haven't done in a long time, and I don't know why. But I am wearing uh, the Melon chronograph that I wrote up several years back on TBT, and. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty neat watch. It's, it's I think, around 37 millimeters in steel. It's a uh, three-sub-register chronograph that uses the Lamania 1873, which is essentially the same movement as the 861 in the Speedmaster Professional. And this watch is, it's got a, um, well, a rotating 60-minute uh, bezel, but on the inside, it's got a decimal timer, so up to 100. And Melon is kind of a popular name in Swiss watchmaking, but this company, from all the research I could do, just showed as a stopwatch uh, company out of New Jersey. And they it looks like they just sort of subcontracted this watch to be made, um, from whoever was making their stopwatches at the time in the in the late 60s. And I guess a lot of people don't know that, you know, at this period of time, if you owned a factory or something, you know, it was very popular to walk around uh, with a stopwatch to, to measure cycle time and try to get uh, improvements to reduce uh, cost of output. And this watch with the decimal timer, because most of the time, 
these these factories did did things in decimal time. It was just easier for them to do it over 100. And um, yeah, I, I can see that it was probably you know meant to be used in an, an industrial situation, but it's actually a really good looking watch with a with a white dial and it's got some applied, we call them torch indices, not unlike some galley watches. And yeah, like, uh, you know, Malon made um, a few different watches with this style dial with or without a bezel and then nothing. So just kind of went away and the little that they did do was pretty nice looking. So yeah, that's a, that's a very, very exciting watch. Do you think that the, um, the dial, uh, was made by the same company that did the galley dials and, you know, Excelsior Parks and stuff like that because of the, not only uh, the, the torch indexes, but also the, the layout. It kind of looks looks like those, uh, you know, like those dials from, from vintage galleys, even from vintage Sartinas and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I would guess so. I mean, you know, Singer is, of course, a big dial maker that comes up uh, from then, I guess, what's right. the other one? Byler or something? And yeah. I would guess that all of these folks uh, shopped in the same place. I mean, the, it's hard to tell because, um, you know, some of the identifying features here are different than other watches I own. But most notably, if I look at the font on the subdials, like for the numbers, it looks very similar to whether it's a Speedmaster or something else. So I'm guessing that they came from one of those makers. So. And and the funny and you had the oh go ahead no, sorry and you had the dial uh, swapped I did yeah so the Andreas um, our uh, our mutual friend in Cyprus who owns uh, local time there he found this watch and truly miraculously within a week on eBay from a very different seller was a new old stock dial. And that was great because the original dial on this was completely ruined. I have it and there's no way of squinting at it in any type at any type of angle to make the dial passable. It's just a absolute mess. And this one is perfect, but yeah. So, so I don't feel bad about having, having a swap dial in there. Um, looks good. Yeah. Looks, looks really, really beautiful. I have to say. Thanks. Beautiful. So, so before we get into our main topics, um, I think we should talk about a couple, a couple subjects. Um, the first one, and this one, I guess, could fold into a gift idea as well. But we uh, we announced over the last week or so the Fratello and Oris collaboration with the right. Big Crown Bronze Pointer Date, and I mean. I'm biased, of course, because the watch was actually somewhat fashioned after the the modified one that I did a couple of years back with the with the Oxblood dial. But here we um, we worked with Oris to to add some updates, um, some additional uh, gold or gilt features on the dial to make it stand out a little bit more. And we we put a unique case back on it, some unique packaging straps, and. I received one in the mail uh, last week and it's gorgeous. I mean, I, I really wasn't, I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I feel honored. Um, but how similar is it going to look to the one that I own? And actually they look quite a bit different. Um, this looks like a very classy, uh, well-executed watch. And I would just tell you that if you've never tried on a 40 millimeter big crown from Morris, it's a, it's, 
really a, a lovely watch and it, it can fit a, a variety of, of sizes of wrist, um, even my small wrist. And it really makes for just a great everyday watch. Um, I don't know, Balash, have you, have you tried on the 40 millimeter big crown before? I have, but not this one. I haven't had the, the chance of trying on our, our watch yet. Um, but I have, uh, obviously, I think we were even at the Oris booth together, uh, probably when the bronze one came out or the steel, I can't remember, but we definitely, cause we always used to go together to see our friend Reis, shout out to him. Um, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's been a, pretty much all over the, um, the watch media, uh, thanks to some of our friends. Um, and, uh, RJ did some, some, um, IG lives on it and we did a video on it and, and um, pictures, ton of pictures. So um, I think it's a beautiful watch. It's um, it's different enough, uh, you know, not to be just a, a regular model with a different case back, but not entirely uh, redesigned. And um, and I think it's just a cool fact that that indeed they took your um, your idea and kind of ran with it and, and, you know, twisted it a bit and twiggled with it. And then this is what came out. And there are still a few available. So um, anybody who's um, who's in need for a 40 millimeter steel, uh, sorry, not steel, but bronze case watch with an Oxblood red, deep red dial, then there's a chance to get one of 300. Yeah. If you're, if you're somebody, especially during this time of year who, you know, puts on a, on a heavy coat and a, and a flannel or, or whatever it is you're, you're wearing during this time of year, this watch just goes perfectly. And then it comes with a nylon strap that I think will make it pretty wearable when, when things start to warm up later in the year as well. So I'm a fan. And as Balash mentioned, there are still a few available. So if you head to the Vertello shop, you can take a look for more info. I also wrote an article with my impressions on it. I wanted to give a bit more of a personal uh, view on the watch and hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully everyone likes it. We've gotten a lot of good feedback so far, so yeah, it's exciting. Indeed, and if you want to visit the shop, it's shop.fratello.com, and it will be also in the um, in the show notes. So make sure to check it out. Absolutely. So then you wanted to talk a little bit about the um, about a contest we're having online right, right. now. Right. So um, it's almost the end of the year, which means that the Instagram photo contest that we started, I would say probably around may or june-ish um is coming to an end um every week we had uh we had an article where where i selected four images from instagram from users who tagged us or used the first hello watches hashtags and um every week we had four people uh different users obviously all the time and you know people could vote for their favorite and then the favorite would get into the semifinal. and um altogether we had five semifinals. so in the final round which is um well it will launch tomorrow so probably by the time this comes out it's already been on or maybe already finished um you can vote for um your favorite and there are um as i said there are five images in the final round uh from the five semifinals um i can tell you that two of them are from the same brand and then um well if you covered i mean if you followed the the semifinals you know the, the the winners but uh um well and as i said probably by by this time when you listen to this you already know it um but just for you there's also the um an image from this um of this um of this hamilton uh mechanical field in it funnily enough but that's not the reason i'm wearing the watch 
And um, yeah, we got some great prices thanks to our our friends from different brands. We also did a live with Rob about it, um, showing the the, the presents and uh, or the, the prices and and talk about the the contest. So I you know I'm not gonna get into details. Um, check it out, and of course, next year we'll hopefully be back with another round. Probably not in January, probably not in February, but hopefully around the same time, like May Juneish. Um, with the 21, uh, 2021 uh, Instagram photo contest. Yeah, that's been, it's been really popular and it's been great to see all the uh, creativity that comes in. So yeah, really good oh, yeah. idea from you there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And that brings us to talking about mm-hmm. gift ideas for this year. So we are, Ooh. we are definitely at that time of year, I guess today um, we're recording this on a Sunday, which is St. Nicholas day which i never knew of balash but i guess that's a, a pretty big thing in europe right that's that's yeah i mean i'm not sure about every country probably not in you know the anglo-saxon part of europe um but in in uh in germany but also in hungary and many other countries it is a thing where you um you have to put your boots out as you know probably do you celebrate it with your daughter? Oh, yeah, because my wife introduced me to it. She's Slovak, so it's big there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same for us. So you have to, you know, clean your boots and put it out in the window. And apparently for us, um, St. Nicholas comes on the 6th of December. And uh, don't ask me why, but baby Jesus will bring the present on the 24th, um, which doesn't re- really make sense, but that's a tradition. So yeah, Nicholas will come and bring you some sweets and and put some stuff in your boots. And if you were a good guy, you'll get some sweets or or I don't know fruits, whatever. If you've been a naughty boy, then you're getting some coal or um, something spicy. Some I was told something spicy. Yeah, I, well, probably in my family was a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> like I would like some but, Tabasco um, yeah. sauce, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not that type of spicy. But <laughs> right. And um, indeed, so um, uh, I guess it's um, the gifts that we have in the list is they are a bit bigger, so therefore more for Christmas. But um, but indeed, this is the time of the year. So um, why don't you uh, why don't you start with uh, with your gift idea, the first one that you have in your list? Sure. So on the weekend, and actually increasingly during the week, since I've um, definitely gone a bit more casual during this whole Corona thing. You can usually catch me with a t-shirt and, uh, you know, like a, a long sleeve shirt out over it of some sort. And I think probably once or twice a week, I'm wearing a t-shirt from watch thing. So watchthing.com. And I featured, I think I featured, um, them last year on our online gift guide, but watch thing makes, they've, they've only got four designs at this point and they make some really I think cool t-shirts, some are quite insidey to watch collectors, but they've got kind of the T-Swiss tee. They've got a Speedmaster themed one. They've got a um, one referencing the nicknames of a few different famous watches. And then they just came out with a collaboration with Cole Pennington from Hodinkee. And Which was your favorite? Honestly, I, I still wear the T, the T-Swiss tee uh, all the time. And that one, I like it because it's dark gray. And but the speedy one is super cool as well. It's got all kinds of different little pieces from um, from uh, Speedmaster uh, history. And 
the nice thing is the t-shirts are, well, they're high quality. They're also um, kind of those fitted type t-shirts. So they're super soft and I really like them and they, um, they look classy. So if you uh, head to watchthing.co, um, the t-shirts are, I think, $28 and he ships uh, globally and he's really good to deal with. The other, the other fun fact is that Justin, he and his wife run this business, but he, um, he works at uh, Trogues in, uh, near Hershey, Pennsylvania, which happens to be one of my favorite breweries ever. So it's kind of just a nice, uh, nice connection there. He actually had reached out to me before he started this. Um, I think because I was wearing a Rolex Explorer and I think he has one as well. And he always liked the watch. So we started chatting a bit and next time I get to Hershey, I'll go have a beer with him. But, uh, nice to see that he started this business and yeah, give him a try. This is, you know, for the watch lover, the, the person they're, they're not too expensive and, a high quality gift so that's my first one sure and that's the one uh, or do, i mean those are the shirts that you wore in the the videos that we we uh, recorded in september when we were in the netherlands yes uh good point, in the Hague. Yeah. Good point. right right yeah. okay now nah, the cool stuff um i guess uh i'll probably receive one or two myself and i really can't wait because i i like the i like the the nicknames uh nickname ones and also the um the speedy t-shirt but actually all of them well, my first one is um, is a book, and um, when you hear uh, you know the word watch book, it's always a four hundred euro huge coffee table extravaganza. Now, this is not the case. Um, it's a small book, uh, but a thick book, and it's called Retro Watches: The Modern Collector's Guide. Mm-hmm. And um, I follow this uh, Instagram profile. So this dude and um, this Instagram profile called Horalo Vox. So H-O-R-O-L-O-V-O-X, Horalo Vox. And um, he's into um, these um, 60s, 70s, funky, quirky, different uh, design watches. Not all of them are, but, um, but some of them. And um, from different brands, you know, not only from those that disappeared during the quartz crisis, but but Anacars and uh, Lacoutres and Omegas and, and things like that. And um, I assume he has a, a pretty nice collection about these watches. And so uh, there's a book that came out and the, the authors are Josh Sims and Mitch Greenblatt. And I think it's Mitch Greenblatt, uh, um, uh, the guy who, who runs Horolovox, but I might be wrong. I'm sorry. I uh, I'm not prepared. And um, it's a it's a it's a cool book. It has um, I just checked it out before the, the the recordings. I think probably 50 watches, but from brands like uh, let me just see. You have uh, Omega divers watches. You have Rolex Oyster. You have Zenith Time Command. You have many lip watches. Obviously, lip was known for. Um, you know, for um, releasing these strange, um, uh, yeah. exactly. Eterna Divers, LED watch, and the cars, Bulovas, many Bulovas, Benders and Amidas. So a lot of interesting watches. So if you're looking for uh, a gift for someone who's into watches, or if you are into watches and um, you want something different, that's not the usual, you know, uh, moon watch only and things like that. 
then you should check it out. The book is actually $27 plus shipping. I've, or maybe it was free shipping when I ordered it. I'm not sure. So it's not really a, an expensive book, um, but it's a cool one with very, very um, detailed uh, pictures and um, and some, some time pieces that you've probably never seen before. Um, and you can order it uh, either by visiting um, Horalo Vox's uh, Instagram profile or horalovox.com. And then there's a section called book and um, you can just get it there. Nice. It's a pretty decent. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds good. Uh, a good book is always a nice thing, um, especially sitting sitting at home so much uh, these days and with the weather not going to be very nice for the next few months. So, Oh, yeah. Sounds good. So the, the next one that I've got is actually a watch and it um, – sort of is re- relates to the the watch that's currently on your wrist, the Hamilton, but it is the Timex Mechanical. And mm-hmm. Timex, well, I, I don't think they quietly released this over the last year, but it certainly was not something that <clears throat> I was able to get my hands on. But they, they reissued the um, kind of the military watch in the same style of the Hamilton because they were also licensed to... Uh, to make these watches, I think it was during the Vietnam era, and they came out with a slightly upsized case. I think it used to be 34 millimeters, and and the new Timex Mechanical is 36 millimeters, and it has a hand wound movement, which I think is super cool. It's probably coming. I, I guess they get their movements from China. Um, it's the same. I think it's the same movement that is in the Marlin Mechanical that they came out with several years back, which. It's fine. I mean, it's not going to set any set any records or anything on timekeeping, but I think it's fine. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this watch has I think it has 50 mil, uh, 50 meters of uh, water resistance, and I believe an acrylic crystal. The um, the watch lists for 180 bucks or, or just shy of that, and comes on a nylon strap. Um, it's also in the European Timex shop. Unfortunately, at time of uh, recording here and, and both uh, sites, they're actually out of stock, but I did manage to order a couple of them, I think just two weeks ago during Black Friday, because they had a 30% uh, site-wide sale actually during that whole week. So I picked up a couple. Um, I'm kind of anxious to see them. I got one for my dad as well. He likes that style of watch. And yeah, I think for even at, at full price, it, it looks like a fun thing to wear and it's not going to be as nice as that Hamilton, but especially if you're someone who's either never worn a mechanical or a, a, a watch that you need to wind daily, this is maybe a nice way to break into it and still have a pretty stylish watch on your wrist. Absolutely. And I think this is, um, this is also cool that we're talking about, you know, very, very affordable watches mm-hmm. because um, a lot of the times, um, I think we kind of touched uh, this topic last time as well. Like a lot of times, people think that a watch is only a watch if it costs four, five, six hundred euros, or four, five, six thousand, or fifty, sixty. But that's really not the case, right? You have to buy what you like, and I think you both. But not, I don't think I know that both you and I are enjoy watches that are that are yeah in this price category, like fifty euros, eighty euros. I mean, a G Shock. As I last week, I mean, the last time we we recorded a podcast, I was wearing my G Shock. It's a sixty euro watch. Yeah. You know, it's it's nothing, not expensive at all. But it's a very cool watch. It's a sturdy watch. You know, I talked about it back then. And same thing with with Hamilton. The same thing with the Timex. Uh, I think it's cool to put focus on these things and and let people know that 
just because you're not wearing a 5970 protect that doesn't mean that you're not a watch guy or you cannot be interested in this hobby absolutely um, which is which is very different from what a lot of people try to tell you on possibly on social media so yeah don't believe the hype for sure um okay so my next pick is um it's um not coming from one specific um website but it's coming from one specific brand and that's uh, Berjan so the Berjan tool uh, or Berjan tools in general is what I what I'm um, I would like to talk about um if you are into watches you probably know that uh Berjan is a, is a manufacturer of tools and I think also machinery for for the watch industry and um what I learned is that when I started this hobby is that you really need good tools if you want to mess with your watch, if you want to open the case back, if you want to change the strap or, um, you know, remove a link in your bracelet, whatever the case may be, you need to have quality equipment. Um, oftentimes you can buy this five or tenor uh, Chinese stuff and they're not good. They're not quality. They break, they scratch your watch and you'll end up with a, with a damaged case back or with a scratched up uh you know bracelet that you don't want to do um so my my favorite tool and i think um many people in 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 the hobby love it it's the bergeon 6767 um tool bracelet or or well rather um uh, strap tool there's two versions the 6767f and the 6767s and the difference is the heads the the f is for fine and the s is for standard the fine head is the little fork head that you can use to remove a bracelet because it's so small that you can put it in the you know in the little hole between the bracelet and the end links mm-hmm. i mean the case and the end links and um the the s the standard has a bigger i think it's a three millimeter uh fork and that's uh that's for the the strap change so the leather strap or or nylon straps and these tools uh the heads are interchangeable so even if you break them or bend them you can just order a new head and screw it off and screw on the new one and they're around 25 to 30 euros on amazon on ebay or version's own side and whatever the case may be so if you want a quality tool uh because you want to change your straps or your bracelets or you know just move a pin uh, then Bergeon 6767S and or F is yeah. the tool to go. I can concur. I mean, the uh, I think the the comment about having good tools to do any job is is key. Whether you're uh, yes fixing your sink or or anything, I mean, bad cheap tools are just bad, and they either end up hurting you or end up hurting whatever you're working on. And it, this is really not an expensive thing to buy, and I've got one and it is totally true because I do have some cheaper uh, spring bar tools that, you know, I'll I'll throw one at the desk at work or or something if I receive a watch and kind of want to get after it. But for home and the one I use chiefly is is the one that you mentioned. And it's, I, I look at it and whereas other ones have broken, dulled or bent, this one is still, um, basically perfect. So. It's worth the money. I don't know what they're doing to that steel there in Switzerland, but it's pretty good. So, <laughs> right, right. So, so kind of um, going on the uh, on the tool frontier. Um, I got something last year that has been a godsend for me, at least. Um, along with the Zeiss just normal loop that I that I generally carry around, I bought the uh, head loop, which um, mm-hmm. 
from from Zeiss. And it's about, I think, between $100 and $120 or euros. And this basically has an elastic uh, strap that, that goes around your head. And it has a sort of a plastic shell with a couple magnifying lenses in front of it. And whether you wear glasses or not, it's okay. You can have these on. And um, you look through this and it basically magnifies, I think, something like uh, 1.4 times. And the nice thing is that if you're if you need the magnification, it's there in front of you. And if you don't, you can just tilt it up and away. And I, I told you before we started recording, I, I've noticed it in the last six months. And maybe it's just due to staring at a computer screen so much during this uh, lockdown. But my eyes are are definitely not what they were a year ago. And this makes things very, very helpful, especially in like low light conditions or something like that. If I'm trying to read a an inscription on a case back or a serial number, or even if I'm trying to work on something like replacing a battery in a watch with a really fine screw, this makes it so much better. And Zeiss, I think is a name that, yeah, you pay a bit more, you can buy much cheaper versions online, but I trust Zeiss. I think they make amazing optics and, you know, for a hundred or 120 bucks, this is a really nice gift. Yeah, Absolutely. And I mean, even if you open a case back and you want to, you know, just examine a, a mechanical movement with all the details and the decorations, I think it's, it just gives you a different perspective if you're that close to a, to a column wheel chronograph movement, for example. Yeah. And you don't have to care, hold anything because it's attached to your head, which is nice. So it frees up your hands to to do work and, and you're not, you know, with a loop, I find you're, yeah, you're always uh, out of focus because it's such a small little lens. So this, this alleviates that it doesn't go down to that level of detail, but it's, it's pretty good. So, and you need to learn how to put the loop in, you know, you know, on your eye, you know, in a way that it's not falling out. Yeah, but for sure. This is a, this is a, a great alternative. Yeah. Okay. So, um, tools, shirts, books, a watch. Um, we have not talked about one type of accessory that I think everybody has at home. And, uh, those are straps or in this case, bracelets. Yep. And um, my third pick, my last pick is, um, I guess, a pick that you could have brought up as well because you're just as much a fan uh, of this brand as I am. And and that's the um, that's the Forstner, um, or those are the Forstner bracelets. Uh, I did not pick any particular bracelet. Um, I think you and I both have almost all of them. Uh, maybe you have all of them. Uh, I'm not sure, but I um, I quite like the brand, and I uh, not only for the bracelets, but also for the prices, and not to mention the the customer service and the the people behind it, um, because they're um, super friendly, very easy to work with. Um, I heard stories where where uh, packages disappeared, and you know, without a question, they replaced it. And, uh, you know, but first and foremost, uh, the bracelets are um, remakes of iconic watch bracelets from the 60s and, and 70s, which some people hate, some people love. Uh, I definitely love them. I think they're great, especially for speedy fans. Um, the JB Champion one was the first one that they came out with, with the straight end and then with the curved end. And now they have a, a, a wider version because some people said they, they look stupid on the Speedmaster because the Speedmaster case is so huge. I love the way it looks. Um, I have those. Um, I think you just posted a few days ago um, your Tintin on 
the Forstner strap or bracelet. Yeah, I exclusively wear that watch on that on that mesh. It's fantastic. It really makes it so much more comfortable for me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have the the bone clip, which is also um, a, a very fun bracelet. I, I was a bit afraid when I got it first. I was like, nah, I'm not sure how it feels, how it looks, because I have a vintage one, and it's kind of you know, kind of thin and, and, and ratchety and, but this one is, is absolutely not the case. So, um, if you're looking for, um, a cool bracelet for your watch, whether it's a Speedmaster or not, it doesn't really matter if it's a chronograph or not. Um, I'm pretty sure that Forstner have, uh, or they have something that, that you might like. And the price is $125 for, uh, I think every bracelet, regardless which one you pick. Uh, the only one that's out of, uh, stock right now is the flat link which has to be my favorite yeah the flat link is is really impressive i mean they're all impressive and i think you know 125 dollars i think is is reasonable some people probably jump back at that because you can order you know mesh on amazon or ebay for 1599 yeah but this is a whole different ball game these are these are much the finishing is much much nicer you actually feel like you're putting something really secure to your wrist um you know you, you mentioned the bone clip i put that on a on a galet uh one of my early galets and it fits perfectly it looks really perfect for the watch uh but it feels secure whereas i also have a, a vintage bone clip and i think it just I would never, I would never feel good about no. putting that on. No, 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 you don't, <laughs> no, you don't want to put a watch at the, uh, you know, with, uh, with a price tag like that on a, on a, on a vintage bone clip bracelet and wear it, uh, I don't know, commuting to, to the office or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Absolutely not. And the flat clip, um, I put the, I ordered the 19 millimeter one and I put that on my, uh, Speedmaster 60th anniversary, which, uh, the bracelet that that watch came with was really nice looking from the top side, but the clasp is just massive. I mean, we're going to talk about bracelets here in a minute, but the, uh, the Forstner really transformed it to a watch that, from a watch that I was wearing on strap. And to be honest with you, not that much to a watch that I wear far more frequently now. So it, it really upgraded a watch for me and made it, um, made it, part of my regular rotation. So, you know, for, for that price to, to take that watch and transform it to me, it's okay. So I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Indeed. indeed. Okay. And I think you can, you could order f f uh, the flat one with full polish. I mean, it's full brush uh, yeah, or yeah. polished and brushed. Um, so you could choose which one you fancy. I think for the speedy Tuesday one, for example, if you order the fully brushed version, that would be a nice, uh, nice addition to the watch. But yeah, in any case, um, uh, Forstner also has a an Instagram page. You can find them on Instagram. Um, Mike tags them uh, on his pictures. I tag them on my pictures. So, um, but you can also Google them. I, I'm I actually. Well, wait a second. I have the uh, the address. It's ForstnerBands.com. F O R S T N E R Bands.com. But we also put the link in the description below. So make sure to give him a give him a follow on Instagram and uh, perhaps order your strap from them. Absolutely. So let's so let's move into our our, our second and, and kind of final topic here on bracelets because you know Balash, you're you're really the strap and bracelet uh, person on the team, and 
I just happen to have uh, really th- small wrists and therefore bracelets for me are something that I really like to wear, but I find a lot of them don't work for me. And it feels like, I don't know, it feels like over the last 10 years or so, brands really moved to making, you know, by all accounts, I guess, very high quality bracelets. Um, you know, they're not going to break, but they just went to these really mammoth clasps that you know, kind of go the the entire um, width of my wrist on the back or sometimes even overhang because they've got these huge folding clasps underneath or, yeah, you know, they, they're clunky, they're thick. And we were talking and 2020 was a, was a really good year for bracelets, strangely, not, not just the aftermarket ones, but some OEM um, branded bracelets uh, on new watches were really good. And we thought we'd talk about a few of those, but we would also kick it off with three of our favorite uh, vintage bracelets. So, why don't you why don't you bring bring up uh, the first one here, Abolish? Yeah. Um, okay. So the first one that we both love, and I think uh, we both have. Well, uh, actually, we have both of us have all three of those. Um, is the the beads of rice bracelet from Doxa mm. from uh, the 60s, late 60s, uh, probably um, onwards. And um, this is one of those bracelets. What I, you know, I really love it for. And I'm sorry, I'm, you might hear some some uh, you know some clasp action and some exactly some in the nice action on the clasp. <laughs> well, it's that that time of the year, right? Yeah, jingle jingle. Um, so yeah, so this is one of those bracelets that I really love um, for for uh, the design, but I'm also a bit reluctant to put my watch on it because uh, I feel that it's it's a bit uh, fragile these days. But it's basically um, the the bracelet that the Doxa subs came on, and my when I bought my Doxa sub three hundred T, the the uh, the one with the Aqualung logo, it came on this bracelet, but the clasp was broken. And so I had to find a new clasp, and I think, if I'm if memory serves me well, it was Andreas again, just mentioned earlier, who helped me because uh, he was the Doxa guy, the Doxa king when he came to vintage uh, sub three hundreds and and Doxa. So shout out to him. Um, and basically, what's very cool about this strap is that um, it's a tapered beads of rice bracelet. So. Although the the Doxa, I mean, the watch is huge. The bracelet kind of tapers towards, uh, you know, um, the clasp. And that kind of puts the focus on the watch, not on the bracelet, which is, I think, not the case with the new Doxa uh, bracelets. They did something similar, but then the tapering starts. Remember before the, before the, the, the case. So the first link kind of overgrew the, the, the case. Um, and then the, it's called the expando because or expandro because the links closest to the clasp on both ends have this expanding little uh, Spring. uh, springs inside them, right? So this was obviously designed for the wetsuit, uh, but it's it's it was great when you you know when you wear the watch in the summertime and your wrist just swollen, then then um, uh, the bracelet adapted to your wrist size. And not to mention that there was a micro adjustment inside, built inside the clasp. So if you open the clasp, which is not that easy, um, there was a little uh, button, and if you press the button, you could you could pull uh, part of the bracelet out underneath the clasp, and uh, you could use that as a micro 
adjuster as well. So um, I think we might have to put... Uh, I, I did a, a review on this um, for Fratello on this very bracelet. So we might put a link in the show notes so people can check out the the images. Um, but it was a very, very cool design, especially back in the 60s. And, um, and that's, um, I think... Um, and they're not even cheap anymore these days. They used to be maybe a few hundred euros, and now I, I see them going for five, six, seven, eight hundred euros, which is I find them a bit too much. But uh, but it's definitely um, um, something that if you have a vintage Doxa and it didn't come with a bracelet, you should get this bracelet because uh, it completely transforms your watch. Yeah, I agree. And <clears throat> the one I got was also, I mean, the the Expandro links are kind of permanently expanded. And, um, I think on one side it was sort of working and I remember the, the watch delivered to my dad and he, he was looking at it and he goes, this is the coolest bracelet I've ever seen. He's like, what a great idea. So they were really, they were really on top of it back then. And, you know, my dad used to dive, so he, he definitely appreciated the, um, the flexibility. Um, what, what I found is that, um, those little springs inside the expanding links, um, they, they tire out, they fatigue. And basically then you're left with a bracelet that's fully extended. And Andreas, here he comes again, um, <laughs> sent me a couple links from, um, the, I guess it was like a 1960s or seventies bracelet. There's some very inexpensive ones out there, vintage, um, like on dress watches that used something somewhat similar and you can kind of bend back the links and uh, get access to that little spring. And then you have to do the same on the Doxa bracelets. So you can actually repair them, but you've got to go search for some uh, donor type bracelets. But I'm with you. Even, even if I did that, I would probably feel pretty. Yeah. I, I don't think I would want to, wear it all the time on that because I think it would just be a matter of time before those springs then gave up as well. So yeah, or the clasp. Yeah. Or the clasp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our next one is I, I think a really famous bracelet style and we don't really have a, a model number per se, but we can kind of talk around this, but I think the Rolex Jubilee, which is a, which is a surprise uh, for that to come up because I think the oyster gets all the credit because it's certainly the more, sporty bracelet or the one you find on, um, you know, the, the big names like the Submariner and the Daytona, et cetera. But the Jubilee, um, for, for a lot of watches, I mean, I never knew this was kind of an upmarket, uh, option on some of those sports watches. I mean, rarely chosen, but it's of course most famous for, for finding its way to, to watches like the Datejust. And if you look at it without polishing, and things like that. Uh, it's actually kind of a a more robust take on the uh, on the beads of rice style, if if you if you consider it that way. And what I found on the uh, 1960s Jubilees that I have, and even the modern ones, my my wife has a, a relatively new Datejust. It is just sublimely comfortable. Um, I think just the incredible articulation the Jubilee has makes it a really comfortable thing. And I, I think you and I have chatted back and forth. I mean, you were, you were gracious enough to sell me a, a Jubilee for my, um, for my 16750 uh, GMT master from the, uh, from I think 1984 and the bracelet you had just happened to be from 1984 with that date code. 
And I've never looked back. Like I, I never wear that watch on an oyster anymore. So I really like the look. Yeah, it was the 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 sixty two five ten, I think. Uh, what what I uh, what I sold you, um, because it, that came on my watch, and my sixteen seventy five was or is from nineteen sixty seven. So it was a bit too old, and I wanted to get the um, something that's closer in age. So I was looking for a sixty two fifty one instead of a sixty two five ten. And you won't, you won't believe this. Who sold me this bracelet? Andreas? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, uh, he sold me the bracelet. Um, and, but, but the, the problem was that it was very, very short. And that was probably the reason it was, it was uh, relatively cheap for these bracelets. But the difference between yours and mine is the links are... Um, solid in yours whereas they're folded in mine so if you look at the the bracelet from from the side you can see that the, the little links are not actual uh solid steel links but like fold over uh, i'm not really sure how they produced it but um so it's a bit lighter and, and a bit more wobbly than 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 yours um but it was very short and i managed to find a piece of another 65 uh uh, 6251 sorry and um i wanted to replace or like you know try to use some of those links to to uh, add them into the bracelet and it was a pain in the back to do yeah. um because these bracelets were not designed uh to be you know the links to be swapped out and in um but but even in this one when i put it on uh the gmt it just it just feels right. Um, it's comfortable, as you said. It's not gonna not gonna kill the the, the hair on your wrist, which uh, I think both of us um, have quite a lot. So, but we're not gonna shave that. That's well, let's leave that for someone else. Um, um, so no, it's it's really with the center polished links and the uh, and the brushed side links. Um, it just gives the watch a completely different look. And um, I love the Jubilee, and, and I completely agree with you when you said that it's kind of the the, the little sister of the oyster, but uh, but it it also uh, deserves the praise. And um, yeah, I, I you wear the GMT on oyster as well as on the Jubilee, but I think it looks better on the Jubilee. It looks more sturdy on the oyster, yep. but but I think it looks much much better and much more classy and. And um, and very very different uh, on on the Jubilee compared to the Oyster for sure. Yeah, completely completely transforms it. And I mean, I remember when I was a kid, and of course they were selling like the root beer and and that kind of thing in the store. And I always thought the Jubilee just looked so old fashioned. Yeah, it just to me, it just didn't look cool. And I don't know what changed my mind. I guess just. Sometimes you see something enough and you, of course, then you try it on and, and you start to gain an appreciation for it. But I'm, I'm firmly in the Jubilee camp now. I mean, I have it on my, uh, I have it on my root beer, of course. And I, there's another one that I think, um, just doesn't look the same with an oyster. I just don't like it. I, I think Jubilee on a root beer or, or not. Um, so. Right. I mean, not to mention uh, you. You you briefly mentioned the day just 
I mean, can you imagine a day just an oyster? Yeah, I've seen them and uh, it's okay. But mm -hmm. uh, like I have a friend who has one and I think maybe with the smooth bezel day chest, it's okay. Um, but it just doesn't stand out as much anymore to me. I mean, uh, day chest just sort of screams for a Jubilee. It's just with that uh, fluted bezel, um, it, it, it kind of pairs well with, with a more, with a more detailed bracelet. So I'm with yeah, you. I agree. totally with you. I agree. So good. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you introduce us to the last vintage bracelet or yeah. bracelets that we are? So okay. the last one we'll sort of talk about in, in parallel is, are, are the Omega 1039 and 1171 bracelets. And these two bracelets, um, found their way to both the Speedmaster and also the, uh, Seamaster 300 line in the, um, uh, 1960s into, I guess the what early seventies or into the seventies. And yeah, I, I think that for me, the 1039, um, that this sort of goes into a, a direction, not unlike the, the Doxa, it actually has some expansion, um, spring loaded, uh, links down by the clasp as well. And it's an unbelievably comfortable bracelet, very slim, But I think also, you know, it, it, it looks robust, but it's a, it's a very distinctive bracelet. Yeah. And it, it's, it's also the bracelet that uh, the Farser Frat link was modeled after, I guess, or these types of, of bracelets. Um, now, me too. I, I love it. I love uh, how different it is. And I love the flat links. And if they work, you know, if you, if these spring loaded links actually work, which is very rare, uh, but I heard that you can have them um, um, repaired and, and there, there are companies out there who, who change the springs and, and somewhat uh, repair the bracelet. I think they look amazingly beautiful on the, on the Speedmaster, um, but if you want something more sturdy or robust or sporty, if you will, then the 1171 um, is the way to go, which is, of course, it's not... You know, it's not in its own league because there are many other bracelets uh, that came out in the early 70s. If you think of the 1162 that was on the Mark IIs, I think even on the Mark IIIs, the Mark IVs, and maybe even the Plo Profs and whatnot. Um, it's very similar in style to that. And uh, many people use uh, the 1171, uh, sorry, to... Um, um, uh, many people wear it on the Speedy Tuesday 1. I also wore mine on the on the Speedy Tuesday one. I had a new old stock one, um, uh, and I put it on the Speedy Tuesday, and it, it just it was just a perfect fit. I think you had a different one on it. You had something more like an oyster ish. Yeah, yeah the, it was eleven eighty six, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had that on, and and RJ had that uh, also on his. Um, but I think you know when you think of the the iconic Omega steel bracelet, it has to be the eleven seventy one. And very, very close behind it is the 1039, to me at least. Yeah, and the, the neat thing about the 1171 is you can still buy them. So they make them, and I think it's, they're what, about 450 euros or something, which, I mean, it, it's a great-looking bracelet. I think we can both agree that the finishing on it is, it, it's, you know, you, there's a reason it's 450 euros. It's definitely not a... Um, 
it, it's not as well finished as like a modern, uh, like a Rolex bracelet or even a modern Omega bracelet. But the fact that you can still get one, it's got um, screwed links and yeah, it, it looks the part and it does go well even with modern watches. So I, I like the fact that they still make that available, which is clearly not the case with the 1039. Um, and back to the 1039, when I got mine on my uh, uh, 145.012, so my pre-moon uh, Speedmaster, I I needed to adjust it. I needed to take out a couple links. And it's a really neat bracelet to work through. So on the backside, there's actually a, um, a flat piece that slides, and, and then it exposes the inside of the link, which has a couple springs in it um, that you mentioned. And what what's neat to me is that when you slide that back piece off or, you know, slide it back in when you reconnect the bracelet after taking one out, um, the tolerances are incredibly tight and it's just neat that they made this stuff, you know, 55, 60 years ago with that kind of, um, sophistication. So yeah. it was pretty, pretty, you know, a lot, lot of ingenuity going on back then with bracelets. Yeah, so engineering at its best, right? Yeah, I think so. In and, the fifties, and 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 that's what I think frustrates us so much uh, today when we talk about or when we look at some modern bracelets that just frankly fail. And I know that you know we talked about it before. I know modern bracelets are more robust, and and certainly vintage bracelets. You know, you, you get into issues of stretch or failing springs or. Know, breaking even after a certain amount of time. So they certainly don't want that happening, but yeah, a lot of them are just clunky now and not that comfortable. So, but let's talk, let's talk a little bit about three new bracelets that we really do enjoy. And I'll kick it off with, um, the Ming bracelet that debuted earlier this year. It debuted at the same time as the dive watch and, Basically, Ming came out with a, a bracelet, a titanium bracelet for 500 Swiss francs, which is, by the way, a steal for this thing. Uh, that is, I think we talked about it, a bit of a take on a beads of rice, but sort of at an, at an angle. Um, and it has uh, curved end links, which is pretty neat. And it has, uh, you know, the quick change on the underside. So you don't need a tool. You just sort of squeeze these two little pins to, to remove the bracelet. It uses um, twin screws on each link. So you actually do need uh, two screwdrivers uh, kind of to hold hold uh, the, the screw in place or else it'll just turn. And it uses a uh, twin button um, like a butterfly clasp. So both sides kind of clip into it. And I found it incredibly comfortable. It definitely, you know, on a diver, the complaint people will give it is that it, you know, doesn't have any kind of wetted suit extension, but this bracelet was really made to fit every single one of their watches. So I, I think that's the, the whole key behind it. It's, it's like you said, it's called the universal bracelet and therefore if you bought a Ming two, three years ago, you can now buy this bracelet and it'll fit that watch. So, uh, but I was really very impressed with it. And I think I've said um, in prior podcasts, it's a, it's just another wild example of how a small company like this can create such a good bracelet when so many big companies struggle with it. Exactly. I think that, uh, first of all, I, I, as I told you earlier, I haven't seen the bracelet in real life, but uh, maybe next time we see each other, you can bring your watch. Um, it, it looks 
very very well made it looks very solid the pieces but the the clasp itself this double deployment clasp and um it just you know fits beautifully on on the watch i think um the reason behind uh, what you mentioned about other brands is that they they kind of became a bit lazy with that thing mm. um i love you know and last time we talked about swatch group uh, divers and I love Swatch Group. Uh, you know the the, the lower middle level uh, brands at like Tissot, Longines, Certina. And oftentimes, what I find a bit funny with those brands is the watch is so good, but the but the straps and I'm not talking about bracelets this time, but but leather straps, they don't always have the same wow effect as the watch does. And obviously, these watches are not you know they're not super high end, but for me, a lot of the times, it has this wow effect because of the price. Like, wow, this is an 800 euro watch and you get a lot of watch for the money. But when I look at the strap, I'm like, yeah, not always too happy about it. Yeah, um, it can be a letdown, really. And it's sort of like, yes. it's it's like, <laughs> you know, getting a really nice suit and then uh, you look in your closet and you're like, oh man, the only thing I have are my uh, hiking boots today. <laughs> Just or the one with the what's the one with the red uh, with the red uh, the red heels? Yeah, the um, oh, the, the Lloyds uh, here. The Lloyds. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Dania. Yeah, but uh, I agree. I, yeah, the, the, I wish that companies would put more time into it because I don't think it really costs that much more to outfit it with a nicer strap. And I mean, on a bracelet, I know bracelets are expensive. I know that a lot of that has now been farmed over to um, Asia because it they, they can be labor intensive or assembly intensive. Um, but I don't think it matters where these things are made. Um, it comes down to the design and putting the time in to make something that's ergonomically comfortable and visually attractive. Uh, and they, a lot of companies just don't seem to do it. So but what's right. our next one? Yeah, speaking of design, um, our second pick is the bracelet, the integrated bracelet on each and every Moser Streamliner watch mm. that came out, I think, in the beginning of this year. Um, I saw the first Streamliner last year during uh, Dubai Watch Week. I did an interview with with Ed Melon, the CEO of, of Moser. And um, he was a super cool guy. Um, I like Ed very much. And um, I heard, you know, from other people that he has something on his wrist that he's hiding. So when we had the, the interview, I said, dude, you have to show me a watch. Because I, I heard that something's going on. And, and, you know, he was kind of reluctant and took it off. And he allowed me to take some pictures. So when the article came out in January, um, the pictures uh, were live instead of press images. So it was, uh, it was a good sport about that. But um, and the watch is beautiful, you know. It's uh, it's really a, a, a breathtaking watch. Uh, the movement, the dial, the whole execution was great. But really, what what Ed also showed me, um, and what he really emphasizes, the bracelet and how the bracelet was made. And and uh, later on this year, they came out with the uh, the Streamliner uh, Center Seconds, which is the time only version. And I think that's the one, Mike, you saw in in Geneva. Mm-hmm. And that's that was the first time you kind of met this bracelet, and um, yeah, I think we both agree that it's just uh, 
just truly amazing uh, what Moser did with with the whole case and the integrated bracelet and how the bracelet looks and and how's you know the overall feel when you wear it. It's just just outstanding. Yeah, I think you know for for me with bracelets like like that. I mean, when you look at a an integrated bracelet or the, like this one that some people have likened to either a bell or even the old lobster bracelets on. Um, what were those on Tissos or yeah, Omegas or Omegas. Yeah, Omegas as well? Yeah. Tissos and Omegas. Yeah. They, you know, they, they look quite um, like armor, like plating. And um, yeah. what I can say is with this bracelet that what they got right. And, and for me, one of the biggest things on whether a bracelet is going to work for me or not is how it drops off of the um, end links. So in other words, does that bracelet, does it extend outwards laterally or does it drop almost uh, 90 degrees down so it can fit a small wrist like mine? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, you mentioned your interview with Ed and I, and I talked to him about the watch and he was very clear. He said, well, I have a small wrist. And he said, I made a watch that I can wear. He goes, I never wear, make a watch that I can't wear. And so, so I felt, oh, wow, you know, here, here's someone who, <laughs> is is designing a watch that can be worn with uh with a, with a small wrist and it absolutely felt that way it was not a hair puller because sometimes those types of bracelets you can imagine can be um mm-hmm. there's a it's like a conveyor belt on the back side so if you stick your if you stick your finger in a conveyor belt it's probably not coming back and i would have thought boy this is going to just clamp onto my hair but it didn't it, it's it's really beautifully made and the finishing is yeah. incredible and the watch is not. I mean, the, the 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 chronograph is not a small watch. That's a forty-two plus watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, having a, a relatively large watch on on this bracelet, um, it's um, and you know, as you said, Ed also has a small wrist. Um, that was kind of a challenge. And you know, this the if you look at the bracelet from a from a side angle, it kind of reminds me of those lobsters you just mentioned. Uh, that was that was on the Omega Chronos and, and Tissot Chronos of the seventies, but it's a it's a much flatter and and thinner linked uh, lobster where the the top of the link is brushed. It has like a vertical brush, but then the 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 the, the under side or the under angle of the bracelet. Um, I'm sorry, of the the link of the bracelet is actually polished. And there's this, there's this, uh, this contrast between the brushed parts and the polished parts that are that just work brilliantly together, and they complement the watch. Um, and it's a beautiful watch, even the time-only version. I mean, uh, I had it. Um, I also um, reviewed that, and I and I had the watch with me. And unfortunately, it was too small for my wrist. Probably was your size. I couldn't put it on. Uh, I mean, I couldn't uh, close the clasp. Mm-hmm. But it was just, you know, it was just a thing of beauty just to put it on the table and look at it. Yeah, so, um, I, I mean, I know we're talking bracelets, but I've said if I were going to go in that direction of an integrated bracelet type watch, uh, that's the one I would pick. I, I would. Mm-hmm. I don't even need to look at, you know, whether it's a Nautilus or a Royal Oak. I mean, besides the fact you can't get one. Uh, th- to me, this is just a it's a fantastic looking watch and, and it is a case where the bracelet absolutely makes it even more attractive. Um, so yeah, good, good choice for them to have spent all that time and money on developing such a nice bracelet. For sure. For sure. Kudos to, to people at Moser. Um, we're running out of time a bit, but we still have one bracelet to go. And this is again, something, uh, 
coming out of your ballpark. Yeah. Um, and that's a Brightling. It is. So I, I think um, several episodes back, I mentioned this Brightling Super Ocean 57 that I bought uh, some months back. And I bought it on the mesh, which um, I did that because the watch back in the 50s, uh, you know, mesh was an option. And I thought, well, better to always get the bracelet than not. And I was a little concerned, though. Um, I've tried on Breitling's other mesh bracelets, and they tend to be thicker. They're not badly finished, but they're just thick. And I was really concerned that this watch was such a kind of a delicate case. You know, what what are they going to do? And I'd reached out to Fred Mandelbaum and, and talked to him about it, and he said, "Oh no," he said, "Actually, we chose a we chose a different mesh uh, here, a thinner one." and he says, I think you'll be really impressed. And I actually think the, uh, the mesh comes out of Switzerland. Um, mm-hmm. it, tur- it turns out that the watch was actually delayed to me a little bit because of the bracelets. It's one area that I think COVID has absolutely um, taken its toll on as bracelet production for some reason. Um, we hear it from a lot of different watch companies. But I'm, I'm pleased to say that the mesh is, is amazing. And it's incredibly smooth. So once again, no, no hair um, pinching and it also articulates really well. It drops down from the case, um, quite quickly after the, uh, after the end of the lug. So it fits a really small wrist very well. And then on the sides of the, uh, mesh, it's polished. So it, it, it looks like it's really been given quite a high level of finishing and, when you come to the the clasp, it's again a two button affair with both sides clicking into this this butterfly style, um, and and it's it's beautifully built. Like it, you know, just sometimes when you're looking at the underside of a clasp, um, this is another area where some brands just don't do a nice job of finishing. But this looks really good, and then they integrated the removable links into the mesh, so they're actually like mesh looking removable links. Now they do use a pin and a collar, which I think is just on account of the thickness of the bracelet. And it was not the easiest set of pins to get out, but, um, I was able to do it. And I think they really knocked it out of the park because I was really worried with this watch with such a delicate, uh, case design and everything. It's not a huge watch that they were going to put on mesh with some honking thick clasp. Um, they didn't, I mean, the clasp is essentially hidden when it's closed, it's all smooth and well done on, on Breitling for coming out with a watch that I think both of you and I know 10 years ago or five years ago, this never would have happened in this form. Indeed. I I haven't seen the watch, uh, in real life. I've seen obviously many pictures from you and from, from Fred and, and other guys from, um, <clears throat> from our circle of friends. And it really looks very smooth. I like uh, I like the close-ups on the bracelet to see how 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 smooth the mesh uh, is. Um, well, how close they are together, and like, um, and I can see the links in the end. You got one, two, three, four, five, six removable links. I think on both sides, which is quite cool, mm-hmm. especially if you have a smaller wrist like like you do. Um, yeah, and and it's uh, it kind of is hidden, right? Like because the 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 end of the bracelet is under the bezel. Uh, so you don't really see how it connects to the case, the watch case, but it's actually curved. So it has a perfect fit yep. with the curved end link 
uh to the watch case and um and the bezel that like very elegantly like like domes over the that part so you don't really see where it where it fits to the case um yeah this is um this is not a great example uh what we just talked about and and that's a five thousand dollar watch you know because the moser let's be honest uh, the, the 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 time only version is 20k mm-hmm. the ming uh helped me out on that one uh, it was about 3500 so you know affordable okay so a bit, it's but, but a bit cheaper get, right but, but impossible to get <laughs> the, the brace the bracelet isn't but the watch is yeah 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 so um so this is again a five thousand dollar watch and um with a with a with a beautiful bracelet and um just one i uh, you know thought that came to mind uh, to my mind regarding bracelets um uh, maybe we we will take it out of the podcast the one thing that came to my mind is that sadly the the new speedmasters were leaked and that also comes with a new bracelet yeah i'm excited to see that i really am yeah, so we are not obviously not breaking any embargo. Um, the information's been out. Um, let's not get into that. Uh, what we think of 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 those things, but it is what it is. The information is out, and you can see that that Omega is is putting a new bracelet on the Speedmaster that's coming out next year. So um, yeah, it would be very cool to see um, in real life how that bracelet and uh, and how the watch with the bracelet looks. Absolutely. And and if their recent uh, bracelets are, are anything to go by, which I hope they are, the uh, like the Apollo 11 uh, 50th anniversary in gold, and then the uh, Ed White, the, the recent 321, um, then they should be fantastic, which is a huge comeback because, yeah, the, the, the last – Speedmaster bracelet or the the one that's currently on sale is not my favorite. Yeah, I have one for the Ultraman, um, and I like it on the Ultraman. But but indeed, the the gold one and the flat link, they are they are just just you know much more classy, kind of an, like a neo vintage look. And um, well, the the three twenty one is currently killing the Speedy Tuesday one, and uh, the Snoopy in the the Speedmaster World Cup article today um i mean no surprise there rest in peace speedy tuesday one and snoopy three but by the time you guys listen to this it's it's probably done and uh, we'll see who the winner um is going to be mike i think that's it's it been a buddy. long podcast it mm-hmm. has and uh you know we're gonna try to come back um even one more time here before the for the holidays hit us, we've, uh, Balash and I have figured out how to edit. And that means that we can just get together and do these things. So hopefully. Unannounced. Yeah. Unannounced. And, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy listening to the two of us and we'll try to keep the next episode down maybe around the hour mark. For sure. For sure. And if you have anything to say about the podcast or any ideas, thoughts, you know, you can let us know on Instagram. Um, my Instagram account name is Ferencibaz, F-E-R-E-N-C-Z-I-B-A-Z-S. And Mike's is? Mike in Frankfurt. Right. So let us know if you have any thoughts, ideas, topics you want to talk about, ta- us here talk about or uh, discuss. And... I guess there's nothing left to say. Nope. Cause we're over and out. Frankfurt, over and out. Be safe. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.